0: Hi, hey everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempe, and if you are new, we are so glad that you found us. And for all of our Screen Strong family friends out there, welcome back. I hope you're having a wonderful fall as we are. We have been working so hard over here. Getting Our Kids Brains and Screens Course Ready. And I'm just so excited about this thing because I think that it's just everything I wish I had known back when I made so many mistakes with all these screen decisions in my house back with my four kids. And I'm just so excited about it. So be sure and go to our site and sign up for the wait list because you want to be able to get it right when it comes out. And I am just Thrilled that it's almost ready. So I'm just so excited. I hope you can tell that. But before we get started, I wanted to talk about one little fact and I'm going to ask you a question. And of course, I can't really get your answers, but it's something for you to think about. I was thinking about this before every show. I just kind of get in my quiet space in my head and I try to think of something that's hit me this week. And so, basically, what hit me this week was this concept that the average child spends 10,000 hours on leisure screen activity between sixth grade and 12th grade. I mean, that's just really crazy when you think about it. So if you think about even just four hours a day, it adds up really fast. And so we know that, you know, different books that we've read out there about 10,000 hours, it takes you 10,000 hours to become an expert. And do we really want our kids to become an expert on video games or social media or their phones. And it just really adds up. So I just want you to think about what else your kids could do with an extra 10,000 hours. I think I read somewhere it takes 5,000 hours to get a bachelor's degree. So I mean, that's like two bachelor's degrees. So my question is are you allowing your child the opportunity to make the most out of their talents? You know that saying that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take? That's how I feel a lot with screen obsessions and problems and overuse in our houses that we're dealing with. We have to not only think about the content and the trouble our kids can get into, but we have to think about that lost potential and that lost talent. So today... We are going to be talking with a mom who is celebrating her six months of being Screen Strong. How exciting. I'm going to introduce you to Brandy Hatfield. She is a mom of two boys and has quickly become one of our Screen Strong ambassadors. Brandy, welcome. It's so exciting to hear from you tonight. Thank you. First of all, I just want to thank you so much for being here because personal stories you know, are always so powerful. And your story is very powerful. And to to you, it may seem like, oh, no, this is just kind of normal, but it's not. It's very powerful. So tell us a little bit about your background, what brought you to Screen Strong, and just sort of the, the world as you knew it before you met us. How about that?
1: Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm in Toronto, Canada, And um, I'm a certified attachment parenting educator and certified family health coach with Dr. Sears. My, My eldest is 10, and so I started practicing attachment parenting and then I remember when we started to introduce screens because I had a flight to go on and I wanted to make sure that my very active toddler would stay still.
0: Oh, it's a miracle, right? (laughs) (laughs) You might as well have an IV hooked up to their arm. But I mean, you know, the screen's better, (laughs) I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were doing baby Einstein and all that stuff. But he was really, he was always a high needs. Like from the moment he was born, he was a very high needs, highly sensitive child. He was very dysregulated and I thought that that's how I ended up not putting him into school and I ended up finding uh, a philosophy called unschooling because I couldn't I felt like I couldn't teach him Mm. I felt like he was just so sensitive to any sort of coercion or outside idea you know if I could go back in time I would do things differently but you know I think everything happens for a reason yeah but the philosophy with that Particularly with radical unschooling, is that the philosophy is on just trusting children to learn what they need to without any coercion and really explore their passions without judgment and explore their passions without limits, because limits would be then judging. So I was thinking, based on what I was learning there and the science that I was seeing at that time, that, the, that an iPad was just a tool to help him explore his passions. But yet, I was finding that I was struggling in so many areas and that not a lot of people could really help me or support me. And so I the the relationship was uh, with screens was always kind of, it was hard because I think I really judged myself as being like, why I'm doing everything right in terms of what this philosophy is saying. Oh, yeah. And why am I still struggling? I must not be providing a good enough home I our, our nest must not be inviting enough I must not be providing the opportunities that are more enticing than a screen or why aren't I getting in there and gaming too to really understand
0: no I totally understand that so let's talk about that just for a second how old was your son at that point
1: I would say when things were when I was struggling the most was when he was probably like grade one
0: right. You were really trying, like everybody out there, just to do the right thing, right? To be the parent that is going to give your kids the most advantages and do everything you can. I think that is just a real common thread, as it should be among parents. And it makes sense. I'm sure as you read all these things, you're thinking, hey, yeah, let's just let them sort of drive the, the ship on this thing, right? And let them... Explore. I mean, that sounds
1: good to a certain point, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's like how did they learn how to do many of the other things they did? They learned naturally. So, to, to, so I was thinking it was an extension of natural learning, but oh, okay. then not yeah. realizing what I later learned through many of the books that I read and through Screen Strong was that it's not necessarily. I mean, it can be a tool once you're of the age where you can use it responsibly. Right. But for a young developing brain, this immersive like gaming and youtubing and streaming of content I didn't know what it was doing. I didn't know how it was affecting dopamine and all of these things that make total sense now that I know that it's not the same thing as not limiting a passion like drawing or dungeons and dragons or like right. you know, anything reading or whatever.
0: That is so interesting that you're drawing that explanation because it's true we don't want to limit our kids when it comes to good things right and and it feels like our culture is telling us that all these screens are good things and they're going to get Mm -hmm. behind if they don't know how to do this and look how cool this is and they can hit these little buttons and make all these things happen and I think as parents we get really confused because it looks on the surface like they're getting better. I remember with my son, I felt the same way. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. I felt like he was getting smarter. He was Mm -hmm. learning code of all things. In fact, years later, it's so interesting because he used to tell me that. (laughs) He used to tell me he was learning code. And now Mm -hmm. years later, he's like, mom, no kid learns code and playing video games. And I'm like, oh, could it have been that my child was lying to me? (laughs) You know, Uh, I believe so. Anyway, I never, I just have never thought about it that way. But you're exactly right. You don't, we don't want to limit our kids. So why would we want to limit them on screens? Mm -hmm. Right. That's kind of what I'm hearing you say.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I realize now how it was more, you know, it was a digital drug in a sense. And it sounds like, it sounds extreme. And I know a lot of people think that that's extreme, but when I think back about my experience and what has happened in just these months that have passed, I worked really hard with nutrition to help regulate behavior. And that did help immensely. I mean, it's multi, it's multifaceted, but the screens was the missing link.
0: Well, tell us about kind of the before and after. Tell us what things looked like before Screen Strong, I guess before you change that.
1: These things I didn't know were related necessarily until I was I was actually on a call with Dr. Sears, who you might know from attachment mm-hmm. parenting, and he was speaking to somebody else about their teenagers' um, struggle with depression, and I was just an observer writing voraciously notes thinking I'm just going to do everything that he's saying right now before <laughs> yeah. my kids become teenagers. And that was what first alerted me. So these things I'm going to share with you, I didn't know were related to screens. Okay. Until I started reading because of that fateful call. So what things were like before. So we struggled a lot with inertia.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> Where... love that. The... Sorry, I don't mean to. <laughs> I mean, we, we call it, you know, laziness, but actually I like inertia. That sounds like a much better word. Okay. I'm going to write that one down. (laughs) Go ahead.
1: It's like, okay, I can't. How do I get them out of this world? And laziness and like, oh, you know, we're going to go for a hike. It's a beautiful day. Oh, it was like, like I was tormenting them to do any, to suggest anything. Now I know (laughs) because they were on a dope, like so much dopamine was flooding their little brains. Nothing can compare to that. Also, like I categorize in three ways: the physical, the mental, and the emotional. So, the physical, I would say, was the inertia and the laziness, and also there was some physical stuff. Like my my at the time he was five, he was struggling a lot with growing pains, and it's just really I've I, it's a whole other rabbit hole. But I've but it's it's gone away. Like, he doesn't have wow, breath. and yeah. I think that's because of much more activity and exercise. So that was then, and then the mental. Just like very preoccupied. So even when they weren't on screens, everything was comparing to screens and every game was screen inspired. <laughs> like Minecraft was big. So if we're on a hike, it's like thinking about Minecraft and get, and get you know. And at first I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. But now that I'm out of that, it's really cool that they can appreciate nature for nature and not be comparing it to a virtual world.
0: Yes. And, you know, you can also, just for those of you who are listening, this is one of our warning signs when your child is constantly talking about his game, you know, Fortnite or Minecraft, or like you said, comparing everything, or he wants Minecraft pancakes and he wants, you know, everything to look like Minecraft. Or maybe he's at school and every little paragraph he writes and artwork he does and all these things, it's just, the obsession around the game. And I love the way that you just said his virtual world, because that is what is actually happening. The the way a kid brain works, it's different from an adult brain. I think we know that by now. (laughs) I didn't really know that, um, unfortunately, but I do now. We can think abstractly and we can think in abstract terms. And so like when we're watching a movie or even playing a video game, we know that that's just a game. We know that that's made up by someone and we can enjoy it and then we can step away from it. But kids really immerse themselves in it Mm -hmm. and it really does become their world. And that's what you're describing. They're then now operating off of two worlds instead Mm -hmm. of just sort of an entertainment thing. It does become that real to them. So when they are, like you said, on a hike, It's very hard to disengage from that virtual reality of what they were just experiencing in their game.
1: Right, yeah.
0: What other mental things did you see in the way Mm -hmm. like, of focus and stuff?
1: Yeah, as I said, that was why I... Pursued that method of home education, and I and I think that there's a lot. You know, I'm not I'm not knocking it because I I know that there's a lot of families that that are still unschooling and, and loving life and all of that. But uh, for for us, I now see how we all thrive from more of a structure and a rhythm, and and I've seen the incredible improvements and how how good they feel as they are achieving milestones there. You know, my eldest, how his reading has just like skyrocketed and he's so proud to be a voracious reader. And, and it's really, and I, and that's a world that I can get in, get beside him in, you know, we're reading the mysterious Benedict society series. And it's now it's a bonding thing because I just couldn't join him in that, in that world. I didn't understand what was happening.
0: I mean, that just makes so much sense that you're, you're sort of covering multiple needs that are getting met because you're able to bond and stay attached in these areas whereas when he's on video game you know I don't know some parents say okay I can bond with my kids but it's not the kind of bonding it's very different and uh, and most mostly I I just think that you know moms don't really bond very well with video games I know I'm yeah
1: and even when my husband would play them you know and you know before like that was what he liked to do when he got home from work he felt like he could then decompress and bond with them over gaming but what would actually happen is a lot of heightened emotion and even coming from him being frustrated with you know a move that they did or whatever and I'm sitting on the outside looking in at them going this isn't this isn't happy. Like nobody's happy right now. And then of course <laughs> when it has to end, then it's just complete and utter meltdown. And now because of what I've learned through Screen Strong, I know why the meltdown's happening. I know, you know, from a brain perspective, hormonal perspective and all yeah. of that, what's actually happening and how to put it, to put our kids in that situation. And you know, it's, it's not actually leave. not very compassionate. Right. Right. You know what's happening in their brains.
0: So explain emotionally, like the before and after. So they would have meltdowns, obviously. That's a yeah. negative uh, emotion. Uh,
1: uh, you know, meltdowns and 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 even rage. And um, my 10-year-old got into a lot of fights uh, with friends because of what was happening in gaming together. Um, things not being fair and and just all of that. Oh, with the, my friend has a card and they get Robux and I don't get Robux and just all of that, all that conflict. I just feel like we were really disconnected as a family, like, because I do work from home and some of my work, well, majority of my work is done online because they were gaming and like quiet and occupied. Yeah. Then I became more of an, a workaholic. And so we were all in our separate worlds. Yeah. And so coming out of that has forced me to, to create more balance and more structure and boundaries around when and how I'm doing my work and how much time I would be wasting online because they're not online at all anymore. Um, so we are a team now. We don't, we don't have that escape. Like It really feels to me now in retrospect like such an escape. And you could see with my younger son, if something really upsetting would happen, he would literally run for his iPad. It was like totally an emotional crutch.
0: Yeah, that was his escape. And it really is for a lot of kids. It's not only a bad habit because some of it is about habit, right? Oh, this is just what I do because I'm trying to just fill this void. But a lot of times when there is, you know, something bad that happens, which, you know, there's bad things that happen, happen all the time. I mean, not bad, bad, but I mean, you know, you have something that doesn't go right at school or you come home and you're arguing with your dad over a video game or something. I mean, you know, whenever there's conflict, then the next thing you want to do is go immerse even deeper to get away from it because nobody really wants to deal with conflict. That's not fun. And when, when you're a kid, the only thing you really know how to do is escape from Mm it. You, you don't have the skills to deal with the emotional stuff that might be going on in your life. And Mm -hmm. a lot of kids, um, actually grow dependent on their screens, you know, tablets and, you know, young kids maybe don't have phones, but now we know even as young as first grade, they're getting phones. So many, many kids become dependent when something happens in their home, um, where they do feel the need to escape, and then I think that it just perpetuates itself to where the home environment gets so confusing that just escaping the normal ebb and flow is what they want to do because they are living in separate worlds. I love that you said that. That's a very good description. So it's sort of like being alone together, right? Everybody's together, but they're alone because they're in their separate worlds. So mm-hmm. so that's kind of your before you were seeing these things. And then what happened at that point? Like walk us through kind of what happened when you got to the point when you realized, Hey, maybe I need to start setting some limits.
1: I did have a little niggly feeling like partway through the pandemic, I think, because, you know, it was just such an intense time that the screen habits got really, um, because we, there's just less options, like when that first lockdown happened. So that that was my first time putting in some limits. So this is before Screen Strong, and I'm just putting in some limits. One thing we had was screen-free Sundays. This was before Screen Strong. It was just you know um, an effort I was making, and my at the time five-year-old he would literally every morning wake up and say, "Is it Sunday?" Because he didn't want screen free Sunday. And then when it was, he would like it would be like he was holding his breath. And then he'd be like, it wasn't that bad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when I when I was learning all of this, I, I sat down with them and I said, like, I'm I'm learning some things and I think we really need to, as a team, take 30 days and just have a complete break. All of us as a team, and they were they were on board. My at the time five year old uh, cried for maybe two minutes, and then I wrote up a contract saying, you know, taking responsibility because it was me as the parent who let it get to this point. Uh, it was a contract, and we all signed it that we were doing this as a team to take thirty days thirty days break. Within the first week, there was such an improvement. As each week passed, I'm like, we can't go back. Like, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> and during that time is when I found Screen Strong because I was searching like Screen Strong families, like-minded <laughs> like, people who are seeing and who have been there and who are still doing it.
0: Yeah, and that that matches right up with our challenge. You know, take those thirty days off. And if you're listening, this is a really good piece of advice <laughs> to start with. So you were in the middle of that, and that's when you found Screen Strong.
1: Yes. It's such an amazing group that like it's such a perfect name, Screen Strong, because but also that solidarity and that community and just the fact that the parents within there are all attachment minded. And it's not about being arbitrary or punitive or anything like that. It's actually about being a team and giving your children the childhood that they deserve.
0: And I love the team thing because, you know, we're really big on that. Just parents being the coaches when you switch to that mentality, I mean, I can just listen to you describe this and it, I can just see it so clear because when you switch to that, everybody just feels more loved. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating how, how that works. So describe what happened then, you know, during that 30 days and toward the end of the 30 days and you know, just how did that transition go for you?
1: It went surprisingly much smoother than I ever could have imagined. And they were very much on board because they saw the difference it made in the family. And I think they were feeling more love and more security and more connection and more rhythm and predictability and all of that. And more regulated. I think they felt they liked that feeling of being regulated or more regulated. The other thing that I noticed flourishing through that time and um, and still noticing is their identities forming independent of gaming and YouTubing, like, re- like seeing who they are, like blossoming out. And you had said about the preoccupation and it reminded me of, you know, a few years ago, their birthday theme was Minecraft theme birthday party. And this year, when my five-year-old turned six, his theme was Bees and pollination. Oh. <laughs> he wanted flowers and bees and butterflies and ladybugs. And he's so passionate and it's grown about nature. And he says, I'm a nature boy. And he asks friends, like, how much do you love nature on a scale of one to ten? That is so sweet. I'm a nature boy instead of I'm a Minecraft boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we say like we're gonna go for a hike, it's like, yeah. <laughs> they're excited and they, and they, their endurance. Like they can go, 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 go.
0: They have energy. It sounds like. Yeah. So you're not seeing that same inertia, the nice yeah. word for laziness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, my, my eldest even says he, when he talks about the past, he says, I was literally like Gollum. You watch Lord of the Rings, you know, Gollum. That's what I was like. Cause I would shut my curtains and I would just sit in my room And he says he really felt lonely during that time. He didn't know how to articulate it really because that was just his norm. And now we've sought out friendships and connections and it's really cool. It's like I didn't know that it could be out there, but we've fortunately found community and found friendships that we've developed that are outside and no matter what the weather And bonding about things that they're doing together face to face instead of on screens.
0: Well, and it sounds like they're they're developing quite a autobiography. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. that they're they're experiencing life. They're going to be able to tell stories. I think that's one of the biggest things that I see as a difference, even our own family. You know, my oldest just doesn't have those childhood stories that my youngest do. They spend so much more time out of the screen bubble that I call it. Brandy, sometimes people criticize us and say, you've got to get your kids out of the bubble. They need to experience life. You can't shelter them and by limiting these screens. But the reality is, is we are out of the bubble, literally out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. We are out. We are in nature a lot. We are experiencing so many different things that are just not available on a screen in the virtual bubble. And when you live in the virtual bubble, you do get very lonely. It, it's a very bleak, lonely experience because it's not, you know, you're just not having productive activities. So even when your kids are interested in nature, like you're talking about, that is so exciting because nature is endless you know, there's always something wonderful and new, but it's also real. And that authentic life is just really important. But I think probably what your boys probably experience more than anything is a deeper connection with you and your husband. And so explain now what that looks like, sort of just your day-to-day rhythm of your your life now. How does that look? And what do you do together as a family?
1: Uh, we have we have breakfast together, and um, I homeschool in the morning. And then uh, usually I plan an hour or two of work in the middle of the day. And what they used to do was that would be their tablet time. But now they play together. That's really brought them together so much more as siblings, because it used to be like don't bug big brother when he's in his room playing. Oh yeah.
0: We know about that here in our house.
1: <laughs> well, now they're playing They're playing imagination games. Or today when I came out from meeting with you earlier, Melanie, they were playing, uh, it's it's not Battleship, but it's similar to Battleship. they were playing that and my and the, my older son had made them both little lunch. He <laughs> like, oh, didn't know how oh, long I was going to be on the call, so he made them lunch. Like yeah. I was like, oh, this is so cute. I took a picture and sent it to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we have a cook. Really <laughs> He's done and he made lunch. And then we, we, we went to, we took a ferry boat and we went to the island and we had, we, I literally just got home from being with them right before we got on. We were outside the whole rest of the day. Oh
0: my goodness. That is so awesome. And they're just going to sleep so well tonight. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, and then, you know, one day of the week we have a homeschool co-op meetup depending on the day of the week, but we're always outside now as often as we can. Yeah, and
0: I love it because it's not just the outdoor time, but I I tell parents all the time that any screen problem really can be solved with you know spending more time with your kids. And, and I know we don't all have lots of time during the day because we're working, but it's very fascinating how you can get creative around yeah. your own work needs. And even if you are working from home, spending ten minutes out of every hour with your child will buy you another hour. Like yes. it's, don't you think? I mean, I used yes. to do this with my little ones and if I would just stop and go read them a book or play Legos for, just give them 10 minutes and then they would get back going on their own again. Mm-hmm.
1: And also I think, you know, what I realized coming out of this as well is that because they're not <laughs> dysregulated and they are more creative. Because every everything is slowed down. Yes, that, that you actually have more time yeah, and, and more me time. Like we went to a, a over in the summer, we went to um off-grid tree house, like for a fun family little vacation where it was literally this little tree house and no internet. And like, we had like three, like two board games and some blocks in the tree oh, house. That was it. how wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids had a blast and they were like I want to go back to the trios and it's like you know why they love the trios because there was less it was just us yeah in nature and stars oh
0: that is so cool and that just reminds me what if you're listening if you can't go to what sounds like the most wonderful place on earth like a real tree house that sounds wonderful but what you can do is put a little tent in your backyard. We used to do this when my kids were a little bit younger and we would do a backyard camp out thing. And by a certain time of the evening, we'd say, okay, gather what you want, take it out there. And then that's it. You couldn't go back in the house. That builds that same feeling of togetherness. And that's just an easy thing to pick up and do. You know what? It reminds me when the lights are out, you know, when the electricity goes out, Isn't it fun? You just get the candles and everybody kind of huddles together and tell stories. And I want you to read some of the things that they said in their own words. So when you were just curious over what they would say about how their life is different, tell us some of the things that they said.
1: Um, so they said, we get more time outside, <laughs> which is so funny because they used to say, I don't want to <laughs> go outside, but like, we get more time outside. So now that's <laughs> a good thing now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> funny so. other perspective has shifted. Um, and more connection as a family. So my 10-year-old said, this is his quote directly, dad says he got to know me more after I got rid of my iPad because he sold their iPads. And then better friendships. So he said, I got in three major fights with my best friend over video games, and now I hang out with friends face to face, and it's way better.
0: <laughs> wow, that's really powerful because what he's describing is the lack of relationship when you're on a screen. Like, you know, playing like a video game is so different from playing Sandlot down in the cul de sac or something out mm-hmm. in the backyard. And it's easier to fight and get hurt feelings online because. You cannot read body language online. You cannot read tone, inflection, facial cues. You can't read any of that. That's really interesting that he he's really smart to pick up on that, that he had some major fights with his best friends, you know, on, on his video game. But when you're in person, you have the mirror neurons. You have the ability to empathize better and read the room better. Mm-hmm. So you tend to resolve conflict before it gets too heated whereas online we've all seen it. It's happened to all of us, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what did they mean by that text? <laughs> you know, it's it's much more yeah. confusing. That is brilliant what your son said. By the way, just tell him I thought that was really brilliant. <laughs> I will. In general, as we start to wrap up here, what are you going to do moving forward? Your kids are going to get older. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen when they say, Mom, I want this phone? Do you think they'll even go there? I don't know.
1: My 10 year old's pretty like passionate. Like he's a really strong personality, only <laughs> has been from infancy. And he's very verbal among social groups. If they start talking about games, he's like, Oh, <laughs> so, oh my goodness, yeah. I don't know that he will. He's because he's such a strong individual, but who knows if he does. The thing is, is that, you know, they're not even able to have a phone contract at you know as a teenager as a young teenager so no of course not yeah there's a reason for that yes. because the cell phone companies don't want to be liable
0: well and it's, it's like against the law like you, they can't sell you know smartphones to kids in fact if we all as parents you know followed the legal age for these devices we wouldn't have all these problems um mm-hmm. because we're the ones that have to do the contract and sign the contract and actually pay the money and give the stuff to our kids. And um, that's interesting. I I feel like one of the big questions that we get is if we limit this stuff now, they're going to binge and go crazy later. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? What I think, of course, is a myth. I mean, based off of what you've just said, I mean, even right now, your kids are enjoying their life right now. They're not miserable.
1: Exactly. They're not. They wouldn't... like. My eldest will say, if you put an iPad in front of me right now, I wouldn't use it. And it was so funny because when we uh, when he he fell and hit his head, he was piggybacking his brother because he was piggybacking him. He tripped on the carpet and fell, and he couldn't save himself. So he literally landed right on his head. So we had to go to the hospital because we were worried it was a huge goose egg. And when the doctor's talking about you know you know at at home care, he gets into screens because. You know, you don't want to be in front of, yeah, yeah. Because you need to relax and rest your head. Fascinating. Yeah. And so he goes to talk about it and my son goes, I'm just going to stop you right there. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't do screens. Oh, good for him. (laughs) The doctor was like, you are my favorite patient I've seen today. He's so proud of how far he's come as he should be absolutely. He's very proud and very outspoken about it. this gives him this gives them so much time to be, to develop all these passions to have all of these interests so that when the time comes that they're at the age where you know they're they're making their own choices for themselves and their adults that those other interests are going to supersede any potential draw from Minecraft or whatever.
0: That really is a true assumption that you're making. And I just want to really reiterate that because I think that's a big fear that parents have. And what you just said is absolutely true. I see it over and over and over again. Plus, not only is it true in our day-to-day lives that we go through families with this issue all the time, but scientifically, studies show that virtue begets virtue. What your kids spend their time doing is what they continue to do. They don't just wake up one day and become different people. And having the good experiences that they're having right now with meeting friends, making friendships and being out in nature and spending time with you is all tied back to you and your relationship with them, just the way it should be. That is the way it should be. And so it's sort of like a circle I mean, they don't want anything to break that circle. Does that make sense? Like, and they know intrinsically the way it used to be. And just like in my family, my kids know the way our house used to be when we had a lot of video games and stuff. And they don't want to go back there because there's so many better things. And, you know, we, we don't judge people. We don't criticize anybody else. But for our family and for the way this is working out, when people say, well, aren't they going to resent it later? I,
1: I just, I, I can't explain it now. I think what, what my kids feel or have experienced is mom learned more and she loves us enough to make a change based on what she learned. That is, I think, the take-home message that they got from this. You know, that quote, when you know better, you do better. And for them to have that lesson instilled that, you know what, it's okay. What happened, happened. But now that I know more. I'm going to make my decisions. You know, I might change my mind on something because I gathered more information about that. That's okay. You're allowed to change your mind.
0: Well, and they feel so much love because of that. I mean, honestly, you had, you know, strong enough love for them that you did make the change. What, what I think is sad is when parents don't make changes early enough, you know, when they know, know, better and they look back and they you know they they regret it and you know i don't see i don't see that kids get mad at their parents you know for trying to do better i i just mm-hmm. don't see that and i i do want to say that our kids really want to be in relationship with us even if you are listening today and you have a middle school child um you know 12 13 14 those years can be tough and they can be tough and Brandy, you know, you may call me when your kids hit that age and we may have another conversation, but deep down, I will tell you that they really, really want to be in that circle. They want to be in that relationship with you. They don't want to be out of that relationship. And it is very hard, if not impossible to be in the virtual world on phones and social media and games and still be in the real world at the same time. It's almost impossible for a kid to do that. In fact, I don't think it's possible <laughs> at all, but I'll just say almost. <laughs> and so I think that that craving to continue to be attached in a really healthy way to their family is gonna outshine the, the lure of, oh, I'm, I wanna dive in, or I'm gonna spend the rest of my life playing video games because my mom didn't let me do that when I was growing up. It's just not True. It's just not the reality. Oh my gosh, our time has just gone way too fast. I just love hearing from families. I just thank you so much for sharing. What What are some tips, or just a tip, I guess, for encouraging? Yeah, I
1: I have three. Three. Oh, good. (laughs) First of all, I would say knowledge is power. So continue learning. Continue listening to podcast episodes, be part of the screen strong group, read, 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 read. Yeah, And story. our course is
0: coming out just in time. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. If you can get in that course, just learn, 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 learn. Because once you learn, you become so on fire with, and, and your kids pick up on that. They know when you're like, not sure. And then you're yeah. like, it anytime with anything. <laughs> um, so become bulletproof first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I would say, you know, when you want to make a change, it has to come from you. Don't be tempted to be like, oh, can you tell my kids? No, you, you need to be the messenger because that tells them that you're driving the car and they're safe that's like, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but this nice lady will tell you she's got a degree or whatever, you know, no, <laughs> we, we know what's best for our kids. Nobody knows more than we do. And it has to come from a place of love, not a place of, of authoritarian. So if you need help with some of that, like, Positive um, parenting strategies. Then you know, Screen Strong has that has that message, has that philosophy. There's many attachment parenting, positive discipline books out there, because that's you need to keep that connection so that they they feel that love and a mutual respect. And then third, I would say you really need a village. Like you need you need community. So again, Screen Strong Families Group is a great place.
0: All those tips are so good. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to just get your story out there and get this message out there because you're you're just super passionate about it and it really really helps. You've saved some kids today, Brandy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and um, we will definitely be hearing from Brandy on her 1 year anniversary of being mm-hmm. <laughs> screen strong. If not before then, we will we will hear. So, I hope that you all enjoyed listening to Brandy's story today and just please share this with your friend and um, Brandy, even when you were talking about community That is so important to just share what you know with the people in your village, in your own community, because we can't do this on our own. We know that change is really hard over here. And I am the first to say it is tough. It is one of the hardest things you can do, but it's also one of the best things you can do. And the culture out there. If it's not working for you, if the screen culture is not working, then we have built a new culture for you because you have to shift. You have to go from that culture to another group. And we are that group. We have a Screen Strong Families Facebook group that you can join. Brandy is in that group, often answering questions along with a lot of the other ambassadors. So if you do enjoy the content, consider becoming a podcast sponsor, going to our website to donate to help us with the work as we continue to spread this message. We depend on donations from our community. Um, So you can visit our site, of course, at ScreenStrong.com. And then you can also learn more about the free version of the Screen Strong Challenge that Brandy talked about. And we have a seven-day challenge and a 30-day challenge. The 30 days is definitely what you want to get started with to just kind of kickstart your digital detox with your kids. Remember that we also have our course coming up. Please go to our website. Just sign up for more information on that. So remember... We've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.